Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Ramsey! Hey, Mike. How are we? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. It was, it was such a dignified... Hey, Mike. Uh, yeah, well, little... I'm laughing just because, uh, you know, we've been talking about doing uh, this series on dignity. So this is the first of three parts. And, uh, and you know, there's just going to be some, some exciting, dramatic tension through this entire three-part series, because as, I believe, as you have said, I don't get it. So uh, oh. th- this is material both of you and uh, both of us have, have dealt with and, and uh, it hit home for me more than you. So I'm going to give you my presentation of uh, what I got out of this. And we're going to see if you see anything that you like. Well, no, and I appreciate that because I truly want to be on board with dignity. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you think that sounds like a great idea? To, yeah, to yeah. You hear about dignity, dignity okay. and respect and you think, I like those things. Yeah, uh, but when it comes to you know, and hats off to you for having the ability to to take uh, you know a book and some presentations and, and and you know stories from your own life and, and to meld it all together into to this wonderful presentation, uh, I'm excited to to learn something and see okay what is what is the piece that I'm missing in all this? Uh, yeah, you know because I know that it's powerful. I know it's powerful for people to talk about. I know it's 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 powerful for people to live, uh, and I just need to get better at it. Well, full disclosure, you haven't seen this presentation, and maybe it's complete schlock. So you know, hey, I'm I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt here that you may be right. But well, anyway, we'll we'll uh, we'll go through this and and uh, see what you think. And for those of you that are listening by audio, I'll I'll uh, try to give a description because we're gonna uh, on the YouTube channel uh, show some slides uh, as we talk through this. So I'll I'll try to bring people up to speed as we go here let the uh, record show that i am now displaying a picture of a twix bar just a just a standard candy bar here yeah not the left uh, or the right twix just somebody always says that mike every time i've done this presentation somebody brings up left and right twix um but i've I've also got a question up here uh, underneath the picture of the twix bar which is what's it worth and you know, when, when I show that to you, you know, uh, what's the first thing that comes into your head? Well, it's worth, depending on how hungry I am, I think it uh, would vary. <laughs> so if yep. I'm truly hungry, it's worth a million bucks. <laughs> if, if it's the seventh Twix bar I've had this hour, nearly as valuable to me. Uh, and then the monetary yeah. part of me says, eh, I don't know, I haven't bought one lately, but it's probably a buck twenty-five. Right, right. So, so we could talk about the dollar value, and we could talk about, uh, you know, the 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 relative value depending on your hunger. And what strikes me is that no matter how hungry you are, eventually that Twix is going to wear off. And so, uh, so there's going to be a, a limited shelf life, if you will, of of the value of the Twix bar. Right. I mean, at the at the most, five minutes of pleasure, uh, maybe maybe you know, thirty to 30 minutes to an hour of keeping your stomach, you know, uh, calm down while you, you know, wait for, uh, for the next actual meal, but it's a limited time value. Fair enough. Well, I think you're underestimating Twix regret. <laughs> so yeah, then there's that. Yeah. After the hunger, you know, the, there's the, 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 the happiness piece. 
and then the hunger satisfaction, all that wears off. And now I'm left with regret. That <laughs> what did I, I do to myself? Yeah, I didn't have the willpower to <laughs> you know withstand the Twix onslaught and I devoured <laughs> the thing, even though I'm trying to eat healthier. Fair enough. All right. Well, with that being said, let me show another picture. So I've got a, a lovely pickup <laughs> truck here. I got a, a limited edition F-150. Um, what's it worth? The uh if I need to get my boat to the lake, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's worth a million bucks. If, if, yeah, if if I need to get to point A to point B, it may not be the most economical way uh, to do that. Yeah, I mean, you're you're going to spend. I, I guess if we're being really uh, really conservative, maybe uh, you get a work truck for twenty eight grand. Uh, it goes up considerably from there, depending on your luxury level and your sport package and all that. But I, it, it's just interesting because that's the dollar value, but you're boiling it down to utility again, right? Mm -hmm. And and that utility is eventually going to wear off, right? I mean, uh, you know, vehicles will eventually uh, rust or, you know, outlive their their usefulness to some degree. Uh, you know, yeah, transportation, uh, hauling capabilities, looking good, all that is, those are all valuable things that it offers, but it eventually wears off. So, um, so, you know, decades, you know, Twix bar, five minutes, truck, maybe decades. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Good 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years. Sure. So, so now I'm going to show a, a diploma here and, uh, imagine this has your name on it instead of your name here. Um, you know, what, what's a diploma been worth to you? Well, the, the, the diploma, it's one of those things that it's hard to put a price on, even though I know there are studies that show that, you know, people yeah. with degrees and without degrees, there's a, there's an, oh, a lifetime wage gap, uh, lifetime earnings gap yeah, and things like that. Uh, for me, the diploma was priceless from the standpoint of uh, in our particular family, both my mom's side and my dad's side, no one in our family had ever earned one. Mm. And so it became the, this, this huge stepping stone uh, just in, in, a, in our family pride uh, that somebody was able to go out and, and finally make that happen. So yeah. from that point, it, you know, it was priceless. And, and I have a, a similar feeling about the pricelessness of it in that, um, you know, friends, um, how it formed me as a person, you know, the, the network I've developed uh, uh, and, and just how it changed me and improved me. Uh, you know, uh, uh, let, let's put it this way. I'd call it a lifetime of value because mm -hmm. as long as I'm alive, I'm going to have that network of friends. I'm going to be that different person. I'm, I'm going to be that person like you who gets to say, you know, I was the first. Um, so, so at the very least, we could say a lifetime of value. Now, I think this next picture, I've, I've got sort of a, a, you know, probably a father and a son here in a picture, you know, playing uh, playing a game together, playing ball or something. And, and now I'm talking about not just a thing. Now I'm moving into time itself, you know, quality time with your family. Now, you know, how would you put a price on that compared to the diploma? What's this worth? Right. Now we're at the point where we're, yeah, money is no object. Yeah. And, and I, I think we've seen that, you know, one of the big takeaways from the pandemic was, that, that people figured out that, that they valued time with family. They, they experienced, right. you know, time, you know, extended time, you know, with family and, and they kind of like those folks. Yep. 
and uh, many of them aren't going back. I think there were yep. 4 million people last quarter that, that quit their jobs to go find other opportunities. So, yep. uh, and I think a lot of that stems around, yeah, the opportunity to have just these kind of moments. Yeah. And doesn't that really put into perspective the financial side of this, right? You know, the, the pickup truck is worth tens of thousands of dollars. People will sacrifice their whole salaries to figure this one out and, and, and achieve more of that, that quality time. Um, so now let me dial it in just one step further. I'm going to go enough uh, down this road to say that if I'm investing in that youngster, the value now time-wise goes after my death. Mm -hmm. so, so the diploma lasts at least a lifetime. Investing in somebody else, this, this youngster is going to have an impact for the next generation, perhaps. And whatever that impact is, it's going to go on beyond after I'm dead if that person's still alive, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so now I'm going to just drill down one step further um, and let the record show. This is a picture of uh, my youngest when she was uh, first born. That's, that's my hand. So, so there's my hand. And uh, she just had this tiny little preemie head. She was six weeks early. And uh, I could literally just cup my whole hand over the top half of her head. Um, so now we're talking about the, the person itself. You know, what, what's it worth? And I can tell you, I'm just going to go ahead and give you the financial one. Because she was a preemie, 10 grand more than all my other kids. Right, straight, right. Straight off the top. Straight oh, yeah. Top. And, and that hold that over her the rest of her life. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, every time, yeah, she talks back, doesn't pick up her room. Listen, <laughs> I paid 10 grand more for you. I'm, right. I have higher expectations. <laughs> you know, I'm going to need a little bit more from you. <laughs> so. That's right. That's right. So, um, and obviously we're being a little silly there, but, you know, the, the question is, you know, what what is it worth? And right. So I think what you're asking here is what is a human life worth? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah, there, there is no price. Right. We already said priceless for the diploma and now we're saying really priceless, uh, right? Yeah. 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 Super priceless. <laughs> Super priceless. Yeah. Times infinity. I, there's a, there is an ancient Greek connection here. Um, if you read uh, Plato's Republic or, or some other, you know, things from that era plato had this big thing about you know do, do things change and if they change then you weren't looking at the really real real thing so so just a an almost silly example but you know say you see a tree growing in your yard well that tree is not real in the same way as say a math problem and the, and the example here would be the tree is going to continue to change. It's going to double in size and then quadruple in size, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's becoming something different. Eventually it'll become dust again. You know, it'll, it'll grow and it'll die and it'll rot and, and go back to the earth. Well, it's constantly changing, but you know what hasn't ever changed is that doubling times two will always mean times two. The quadrupling times four will always mean times four. And so for him, the, 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 uh, the things that are eternal are what's really important, those things that don't ever change. And so, you know, for, for us today, uh, we could look at it as there's a soul here. 
there, there's something that's going to last after this kid grows up and even dies. There's something here about this that's got a touch of the infinite to it. And so it's fair to say, you know, if, if, if you if you can follow my logic there and say that that's eternal in a way uh, that that other things aren't, you know, the diploma is not going to be eternal. It's going to it's going to have a shelf life, just like the truck and the candy bar. But that thing that we're looking at there, there's something eternal about it and eternal, infinite. Same thing as saying priceless. You know, it's, it's hard to measure its worth. No, that's, uh, I think you're, you're right, and, and I like how you always, uh, there's always an ancient Greek connection here. I've oh, there is, every time. Every time, which <laughs> I, I really like as well. So, so if it's infinitely priceless, yeah. um, how does this tie us all back to dignity? So, so what I want you to do is underneath my hand there, where you see that face, I want you to stick another face. Um, let's, let's pick on somebody. How about, how about John Wolfe? our fabulously sarcastic uh, voiceover artist who uh, introduces us and, and says goodbye to our uh, three fans. Um, if I stuck John's face up there, sarcastic curmudgeonly John's face, or pick somebody in you know, your organization, folks at home, right? The, the person that's seen as the, the bully or uh, the person that's difficult to deal with or the boss that's a problem uh, uh, or the owner that's a problem. Put somebody's face up there that's a little disagreeable to you. Has anything at all changed about that equation of how much that soul is worth? Absolutely not. What, what does change in the workplace, and I'm sure this is where we may be going, is, is how we treat that person. Right. Even though the value remains infinitely constant. Right. And, and so, so let's back into that with, with just, you know, uh, the concept of dignity. This is a presentation about dignity. Dignity comes from a Latin word that means worthy, worth. It, it really is about having worth. So, so when you treat somebody with dignity, you're treating them like they're worth something. Now, that's not the same thing as respect. And I, I think you've probably heard managers say this, right? That, you know, they, they, they need to respect me. Uh, they need to respect me because of my position. And uh, a lot of this material is based on uh, some work from a lady I'll introduce here in a moment, uh, Donna Hicks. But Donna says, you don't owe people respect. That's a bridge too far. She says, respect is something different. Respect, and, and I went and looked it up. It's from a Latin word that means to look back. In other words, you did something that, you know, it's like spectacles, right? I, mm -hmm. I, I had to give you a second look because you did something worth a second look. And what we're saying here is that respect is earned. You have to do something. You have to be something that obligates somebody to give you a second look but everybody's born worth something everybody's born with dignity they have worth just because they are a human being that's the bedrock principle here that the rest of this material is built on so right. I'll, I'll pause there and give you a chance to to uh, react to that if you want to push back or uh, take us a direction here well, it's kind of interesting because you, you hear that phrase all the time, like we talked about, you know, people want to be treated with dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. And that phrase, now that now that I look at this, that phrase is pretty inaccurate. 
know, right. so, so all people, you know, so the second half doesn't make sense. All people want to be treated with dignity, uh, which is innate, right? They all right. have it and we should treat them that way. A and respect is, and it should say something like, and respect as it is earned, right? Right. right. There, there should be a, there should be a, a slightly different wording to that statement. And, and so, it's caused me to really think about, you know, use of my language on that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you see, yeah, people get respect because even the young kids, uh, right, one of their peers will do something cool and they just use that one word, you know, the, the cool act will take place and the kids will go respect. Yes. <laughs> you know, so they, you hear them using this word in, in the proper context. Yeah, the, you know, the kids are all right. As it yeah, yeah, out. you did the triple backflip <laughs> off the dirt pile. Respect. <laughs> you know, that was that was amazing. 25 beer pong hits in a row. Respect. <laughs> you know, so in that field of endeavor, you earned it. Right. And the, the other half is, as a human being, you're just automatically worthy of dignity. Yeah, and, and so often... Uh, that that second part gets just sort of brushed over. And um, Donna Hicks's point, uh, again, quote her, uh, she says, we all want to be treated in ways that show we matter. And when we are not treated this way, we suffer. So when you don't honor, excuse me, when you don't honor the dignity of a human being, um, there's a debt there. There, there's something that was owed that has not been paid, and they know it. And by the way, it hurts. And I'll prove it to you with the silliest example I could think of. Um, do, you, do you know what movie this is from, Mike? I have, I have some screenshots up here. It doesn't yeah. seem like your bag, but I'm going to go here anyway. No, no, I have to admit, uh, yeah, it's definitely not Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are correct. Uh, this is the Gene Kelly classic, Singing in the Rain. It is a phenomenal movie, and um, I, I have some uh, screenshots up here from early on in the film. He's a he's a silent movie star, and he's shown on the uh, red carpet getting interviewed over the radio with his leading lady, who's this you know gorgeous blonde. And uh, she says, "Tell us your story." You know, the the radio uh, host says, "Tell us your story," and he says, "Dignity." always dignity and then he proceeds to tell you know this yarn about how he was raised in the best schools and so on and so forth and the whole time that he's saying all these things that sound so dignified we're showing we're we're being shown pictures in a flashback of his co-worker treating him like dirt it turns out he was just a stunt double and uh got treated like crap by her and then he became a leading man and um, I mean, he, you know, just he gets treated awful. He has to, you know, fly a plane and crash it through a barn and she kicks him in the rear end and tosses him into the dirt pile and all sorts of awful stuff happened to him. And, you know, isn't that so often the way it is, right? Like all, all the things that sort of embarrass us and, and, and shame us and take away some of our dignity um, are the things that we just kind of cover up and, and pretend like didn't happen. But that's, that was real. Like that, that really did happen. And that's, you know, he, he looks serious now on the red carpet, but this is what happened then. Right, right. Well, and you talk about, you know, the one of the ultimate compliments for a CEO, president, leader 
you know, is that they is they treat the 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 guy who who sweeps the street or empties out the trash can the same way they treat the pope or another president. That's right. And yeah. So, 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 yeah. How do you treat do you treat people differently at different levels of uh, of status or organization? Uh, right. And right. And you know, as a person, does the does do people believe that some levels of hierarchy aren't worthy of as much dignity as others? Right. It, it, huge issue. And and that's basically what Donna Hicks discovered in the real world. So I've got a. a headshot of of uh dr hicks uh she's uh, at harvard and her background was basically diplomatic efforts conflict resolution in war zones that's what she did and she kept running up against brick walls uh metaphorically speaking uh because what she noticed was she could have the smartest people on both sides of this war she could have them in the room they both want peace they both want a resolution to the problem and they absolutely could not address the real concerns because uh, the, the phrase that uh, Hicks uses is that there was a tsunami of emotion under the bargaining table. So, so they could be the, the right guy in the room, the right attitude, wanting to solve this problem, and they still couldn't address it because there was all this emotional baggage hurt from dignity being violated on both sides. I mean, in some cases, you know, the stuff she was dealing with, you know, it was literally, you know, like, uh, you know, rape during war and, you know, atrocities. And, and that had to be addressed before you could move forward. Mm -hmm. um, so she, she has this really well-researched book, Leading with Dignity, and we'll put a link to it in the show, note, uh, show notes. But basically, another quote from that book, leaders who understand the power of treating people well will see their people thrive and they will thrive right along with them because when we honor others' dignity, we strengthen our own. And that's sort of the gist of this book is that, you know, the good news is the tsunami of emotion, that's, that's the bad side, but there's something that happens on the good side when you do honor somebody's dignity and you do recognize that they're <laughs> worth something as a human being, you get a chance to not just see them thrive, but it does something to your own dignity and it's like this virtuous cycle. So that's that's uh, the, the the gist of of uh, of her book. Um, and Mike, you I, I think you were there for the uh, did you you did the lunch with her? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were there in the room at the same time. It was it was unbelievable. The stories that Donna tells about uh, breakthroughs between people and you know yeah. obstacles between people that just didn't happen, and it was all based upon. Uh, you know, her belief that, that, that they weren't treating each other with dignity and therefore no decisions could be made. Yeah, no they, they were at a total impasse until they did that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, we should give a shout out to Ford Motor Company because uh, uh, their, uh, their people brought in uh, Donna Hicks for a, a program that we're a part of called the Consumer Experience Movement. And uh, it was just just phenomenal material for us at the time. Uh, a lot of my uh, Ford dealers have found it useful. Um, so that's that's a, a quick hat tip to uh, where we got this material. Um, to, to sort of uh, begin to wrap up this introduction, we're going to go into some of the, the problems with dignity violations next. But 
Um, just real quickly, we're, we're going to kind of run through a list of uh, what she calls the, the 10 elements of dignity. And her point here is that these are the things she kept seeing in culture after culture after culture. It didn't matter what continent she was working on. There might be more elements to dignity, but these were the 10 that she kept seeing over and over again. Um, so, uh, so maybe, uh, man, for the sake of uh, everybody not having to hear my voice over and over again, do you want to maybe, uh, do, you, do you have your handout with you, Mike? <laughs> I do. Yes. Maybe maybe we should take these uh, uh, each like sort of go back and forth one at a time here um, and just give you a, a chance to sort of you can just read off what you see on the page there. But you can also add color commentary, which is what you're so good at on the fly. So I'm throwing this at you like, you know, I have, like you're a boss and, and you are. So um, the, the first one is uh, just the acceptance of somebody's identity. Uh, the idea is that, you know, you, you don't treat them inferiorly, you don't treat them superiorly, um, you, you let them be who they really are, uh, without fear of, of being judged by you, uh, you know, you interact with them without uh, what she says, prejudice or bias, accepting, you know, their characteristics uh, that uh, they see as at the core of their identities, whether it's, you know, religion or race or what have you. Uh, so just, just accepting that person for who they are, so to speak. Well, this is this seems to be one of the major topics of our time uh, yeah. in our culture. Is is you know she goes on to say you know we should be accepting of characteristics such as race, religion, gender, class, sexual orientation, age, disability, uh, and so yeah, this has become a huge a huge talking point uh, in our society now, and, and and we're we're it's interesting because now we're trying to get man-made laws to align with this you know law of dignity yeah and so as long as the man-made laws are out of whack with the laws of dignity uh, then there's going to be this conflict yeah well it, and you know you look at our uh you know our, our constitution uh, the bill of rights and uh the declaration of independence and you know that this idea of natural law that you know that you know, God had sort of set up the universe to work this way. Um, that's, you know, over time, that's basically what happened. I, I read a civil rights uh, leader uh, call slavery America's birth defect. And, you know, the idea was that, man, you know, if you really read what we said about, uh, you know, what, uh, what God had, what our creator had endowed us with, all men are equal. And so all men, you know, need to be treated respectfully regardless of race. So we slowly began correcting things like that. What's interesting to me is, and you're going to see this in some of the other elements, but, you know, both poles of some of the debates we're in right now will violate the dignity of the other pole by not acknowledging, you know, one side's uh, preferences versus one side's religious beliefs. We're going to have this fight show up in a lot of places. The idea here is that I just see you as a real person. You know, I, I, I see who you, who you are, who you say you are. Um, so I'll shut up about that one. You want to talk about recognition? Recognition. All right. So, yeah, to validate others for their talents, hard work, thoughtfulness, and help. Be generous, generous with praise. Give credit to others for their contributions, ideas, and experience. And, and you and I, this is one of the main things that we talk about in our in our stores when we're dealing with managers and leaders no joke it is and it's 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 that thing you know i we we did a whole 
it was episode 26, uh, you know, in our, of our podcast where we just spent all our time on this, uh, this concept of recognition. Yep. And one of the, the keys here is, is it's one of the things that, that all human beings desire. And it's one of the things that you really can't ask for. Uh, right. Yeah. The moment you, you know, if, if the wife comes to you and says, listen, I'd really appreciate it if you, you know, appreciate me more. Right. And then the next time you appreciate her, she goes, are you just doing that? Because I told you to, right. it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's tainted now. It's not, you know, and so we, we know that it's necessary. We know that it has the power to lift people up. Uh, and yet it's something that many people struggle with. It's so true. So true. Um, and, uh, and I laugh, but only, you know, laugh so you don't cry for people, you know, that, that don't get this at all. Mm -hmm. um, the, the next one is acknowledgement and it's, and it's in a similar vein, but it, in here it's not, you know, let me recognize you for something you did. It's let me just acknowledge that you said something. Let me just give you some uh, some attention. Listen, hear, validate what I think I hear you say, and oh, by the way, respond to it. Right? Again, this is something you and I see show up all the time when we do employee surveys, uh, culture surveys, and things like that. Um, you know, something will get brought to management's attention. If management doesn't address that, that is why your people feel like their dignity has been violated. Now, they don't use those words. I get it. This is something that I'm inserting into the conversation. But you're making them feel like their opinion doesn't count. And that is something I've heard people say uh, in, the, in the dealerships that I've called on, the clients that I've had. Um, because, well, frankly, their opinion hasn't counted. It's never mm -hmm. been acknowledged. Oh yeah, no, I think you're spot on, and and I think I've told you that I've you know I've reached this point in my life where if I'm talking to somebody and when I'm done talking they don't acknowledge anything I just said, I just don't ever talk to them again. Right, you told me that. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm moving on. Right, there are other people that will acknowledge what you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like right. it. Just give me some sense that maybe you've heard what I said. <laughs> You know, you know, disagreeing with it would be fine, but yeah, to just move on to some different point, yeah, I I got no time for that. I, I think that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. All right. So inclusion is our next one. So yeah. make others feel that they belong at all levels of relationship, family, community, organization, and nation. Yeah. So, and I've heard this most of my life that the the people just want to feel like they're part of something. Right. And whether it's, you know, it's, you know, we talked about this when we just talked about tribes, uh, you know, am I, am I part of the tribe, right? Am I, am I, you know, one of those deadheads that just follow the grateful dead around, right? Am I, am, right. I, am I part of that? Do I feel like I'm part of something? Yeah, and we talk about that from work, from a retention of employees. If employees don't feel like they're part of the team, uh, then our odds, our odds of keeping them are diminished greatly. That is the first thing I thought of was, you know, on the sales floor at a car dealership, um, you know, it, it's, it is such a bizarre profession. It has such a, 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 a unique set of processes that have to be followed and lingo and so on and so forth. And if you are a new salesperson and you are standing at the sales tower, as we talk about, and things are going back and forth rapidly uh, and you don't have a clue what any of it means. And then the manager looks at you and says, what do you need? And then addresses you and then ignores you for a while. 
Like, what does that mean? Well, it, you know, in most situations, it probably means he's working on something at the computer to try to help you. What I so often see is that the sales manager never acknowledges what the heck he's doing to that person. He never includes them in the process so that A, they can learn and B, they don't feel like they're just standing there being ignored while five mm -hmm. other people come up and uh, get help in the meantime. That is a, a great, simple little example of inclusion. You could just include them by bringing them up to speed on what's happening right now because they don't know. Like, and unless you tell them, they're not going to know. So there's an example of inclusion. Um, you know, the, the, what's said here is just make them feel like they belong at all levels of the relationship, whether it's your family or, or community or organization, even the nation. But in our sense here, it's like, make them just feel like they know what the heck's going on in our company. Like that, even that would be good enough. Just, mm -hmm. just let us know. So we're not in the dark. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I've got a store and they had this seasoned salesperson with an Andy Rooney type personality. Beautiful. And eventually, you know, the managers quit talking to him. The general manager quit talking to him. They, they told him he didn't need to come to the meetings anymore. You know, he was so good at what he did. And, and uh, he just became miserable. He was miserable already and he became more oh. miserable. And finally, you know, the general manager, you know, reached back out to him and brought him back into the loop and, and changed completely. Uh, you know, he Did you ever was, wonder why I've been isolated completely? Exactly. Right. Yeah. His eyebrows had grown together. He just had the unibrow. It was terrible. So, yeah, even though they thought they were doing the right thing by excluding him, uh, it just made the, the situation worse. Uh, I, I love that example. Um, the next one uh, is safety. And, and again, you know, you sort of brought up, you know, there's a physical separation uh, of inclusion for this Andy Rooney character, but it was psychological too. It was emotional and he had to be brought back into the fold. Safety is the same way. It, on one hand, yeah, physically, like, gosh, you've got to make sure people, you know, feel free from the possibility of bodily harm and, and free to raise their hand when they see a concern. But also there's the, the freedom to um, you know, not feel, uh, you know, shamed or humiliated or uh, experience retribution if they do raise their hand. Uh, and I, I, I'm sure you have too, but I've had uh, workplaces that I've been a part of. People have died. You know, it, sometimes it was the stress level and people had heart attacks. Sometimes it was, you know, there was a workplace accident and um, it just sort of fell on deaf ears, the concerns. And so these are real concerns on either front. And what I've noticed is that the safety thing, nobody's going to bring it up if they feel like it's not allowed to be brought up. If it's, if it's a shame situation, they just leave or they're stuck there and are completely miserable and completely detached. And there's just this slow leak. You know, the whole organization eventually just hemorrhages people and, and then money. And, and it, it never ends well until safety is addressed. It's such a, you know, Maslow hierarchy of needs. It's such a primary thing. Um, it has to be addressed. That has to be a part of the dignity conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, and uncertainty comes into play here. And you yeah. and I have worked with organizations where if I'm not certain this is a landmine, I'm not yep. going to step on it, right. you know, because there are certain times where I thought I was bringing up something very banal and the leader blew up. That's right. You know, and it only takes me a couple of times before I go, you know, I'm just really even, I don't care how serious the situation is. I'm not bringing it up. 
because <laughs> I don't know if, if this person will lean in and help me try to fix it or if they'll just explode. And so, so all of a sudden the leader no longer gets to hear about the, the, the true core issues that they have uh, within their teams and organizations. Yeah. Totally insulated. The, uh, let's talk about fairness. Treat people justly with equality in an even-handed way according to agreed on laws and rules. I like it where it says, you know, treat people equally and even-handed. So we're gonna, you know, this was important enough to be redundant. <laughs> you know, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna say the same thing twice in the same sentence. And you, you see this all the time. And I, and I tell leaders this all the time. People don't care what the rule is as long as it's applied to everyone fairly. The only time they get upset is when they perceive that some people have to follow the rule and others don't. Then right. you know, chaos ensues. And, you know, and we've talked about this in a previous episode, right? Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, if how many cars do I have to sell to break the rules around here? Mm -hmm. Well, if, if that's the case, then that needs to be a rule understood by everybody. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. To everybody. we have to own that rule we have to write it down and we have to celebrate the heck out of it and encourage everyone to join that team mm. so so yeah and I, I we see this all the time you know you know everybody needs to be here at eight o'clock and you got two guys coming in at 8 15 every day and from the point of view of the people who are coming in on time every day just wildly frustrating yeah. you know and, it's a slap and, in the face yeah yeah you you you, you know you just don't you know you're not doing anything why aren't you doing you know, and they wonder why the the leader isn't addressing it right and so right. yeah it's this little stuff like that where per, people perceive unfairness uh and there again it can be a perception of unfairness it may not even be unfair but it, i believe it is so therefore now i'm not doing my best work i'm not fully engaged great point and and you know why you don't is because they weren't including you going back to inclusion in the the thought process behind that application so it's a great mm -hmm. example a another little thing like that is this concept of independence uh, it says empower people to act on their own behalf so that they feel in control of their lives and experience a sense of hope and possibility and we all know this you know, you know if, if you're uh, uh, a customer right I've heard it said uh, people uh, hate to be sold, but they love to buy, right? It's because they have some control over, you know, their options and the menu of things that they might choose from and how they're going to pay and so on and so forth. But if you feel like you're being led down a road, it's not fun. And the same is true in a situation internally where you're being micromanaged or you feel like you're being manipulated to do things a certain way. You don't have that sense of, of independence to uh, do the job your way, I guess you could say. Oh, yeah. We learned this from Dan Pink in, in his book, Drive, where he talked yep. about the, the, you know, of the three great motivators, once you take money off the table, is, is autonomy. Right. The, the people are, are, you know, there's guardrails. And within yep. those guardrails, they're free to, 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 to do it however they see fit, as long as it gets, you know, to the same result. And so, yeah, this autonomy thing we find is is incredibly motivating to people. Yeah, love that. The uh, the next one is understanding. Uh, to believe what others think matters, give them the chance to explain their perspectives and express their points of view. Actively listen mm -hmm. uh, in order to understand them. 
And I've always said, I've always told my managers, there, there are, there are no bad ideas. If so, mm-hmm. if a team member is sharing an idea, there's no bad ideas. And all they want is for their idea to get a fair hearing. Yeah. There's, there's nobody on your team that believes you should be doing everything that they suggest. Right. And so, but they do want to know that the idea was heard, it was considered, and, and that there's, and you close that feedback loop. You come back and go, we've looked at this about a dozen different ways. We've talked about it a couple of times, and I don't think we're going to be able to do it. And here's why. Yeah, they're fine with that. Right? I mean, people are okay with that because they they know that their idea got a fair hearing. It's when they don't believe anyone around them is listening uh, that trouble ensues. Hundred percent, and and that is why this whole idea of reflective listening, repeating back what you think you heard your employee say or your manager say, is such a powerful tool. Because you know, for people that are upset it just automatically deflates them and brings them back to earth so that they can have that conversation with you until they feel heard. It's not going to happen. So you've got to make sure that, that you are understanding what they are trying to tell you. That's on us. Well, there's a, I'm reading the wonderful book called the advice trap. And Mm. one of the concepts out of that is, is there's two, right? One of them is remain curious uh, and lead with curiosity and that goes right to this. If you're curious, you're going to want to hear ideas. Uh, the other is be generous with your silence. Yeah. Ooh. Be generous with your silence. So yeah, if the other person's telling you their idea, just be quiet. <laughs> Don't talk. It's okay. Just listen. Yep. Let them let them flesh it out. And, and it may that idea may not be the million dollar idea, but because you listen to that idea you're going to get the next one and the next one. And one of those could be uh, the home run idea that you're looking for. Yeah. And people just like to be heard. I mean, it's just, it, it's going to build your relationship with that person, period. They're going to think you're a better person just for having taken the time to listen. Oh anyway, yeah. Yeah. That that's, guy's, that's a that whole nother conversation. Great, that guy's a great leader. Right. <laughs> he listens to me. All right. Two more uh, benefit of the doubt, treating people as if they are trustworthy. Uh, she says, start with the premise that others have good motives and are acting with integrity. And we've talked about this many times on the podcast. We'll probably need to link to the episode on choosing trust. But that's the, that's the principle here is that, you know, if I want to gain somebody's trust, I better give them trust. And in this instance, it's giving them the trust that I assume they have positive intentions. Let me just go with that first. And, you know, we'll, we'll learn more as time goes on, as we honor these other dignity traits, such as recognition and understanding. But let's just assume right off the get-go that they're not, you know, uh, axe murderers trying to, you know, vandalize our entire corporation, that there must be a point here that I'm missing and I need to hear the story. Well, yeah, the uh, Captain Mike Abrishoff wrote the book, It's Your Ship, uh, had the chance to listen to him the other day. And, and he was mm-hmm. talking about if, if, if you're disappointed, if you're disappointed in what your team did, you're disappointed in what a team member did, the first thing that he, he reminded himself to think was, let's assume they wanted to do a good job. Right. <laughs> and then let's figure out what kept that from happening. And many times to, to his dismay, what, what he figured out was it was him. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> Me as the leader didn't give clear enough instructions. I didn't provide enough resources. I didn't give enough time. Right. Uh, you know, there wasn't the training wasn't adequate. Right? There was all yeah. these things that, but but the first assumption is okay. That didn't go well. But let's assume they wanted to do it right. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And then let's let's figure out. You know, we'll dissect it and figure out what went wrong then. I mean, but, the company hired the guy after all. You know, there's there's yeah. got to be something that we saw. Yeah, yeah, we kept him. We we gave him the task, or you know, right. we gave her the, the the job assignment. So we obviously thought there was potential there. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that one's amazing. I love so that. the last one, the last one's interesting because, and there's, a, I think there's a reason it's number ten is mm. accountability. It says take responsibility for your actions, apologize if you have violated violated another person's dignity. So basically what this one is saying, if you don't do any of those, one or more of those nine things that we just talked about, right. you have to own it. Yep. <laughs> this is on you, man. So, so if you don't give people the benefit of that, if you don't listen, if you don't provide a safe environment, if you don't include them, right, if you don't acknowledge them, you don't recognize people and you don't accept their identity, then rule number 10 is own it. Just, yeah. just say it, you know, you know, make a commitment to change those behaviors, uh, make a commitment to, to acknowledge that, hey, in that last interaction, I didn't do a very good job at this, and here's what I'm going to do differently going forward. You, you are so right, and, uh, you know, put a pin on that, everybody, because we're going to come back to that as we go through the series of, you know, what, what do you do to repair dignity? Um Meanwhile, now that you've heard the 10 elements of dignity, let me give you just a word picture to sort of close us out on of the Ritz-Carlton. And um, I've heard uh, Horst Schultze, uh, the, uh, I guess he was, he was the first president and he launched the first 30 or so Ritz-Carltons, I think is, is how it worked. He, he was the one who came in to do the onboarding. I believe he is Austrian, maybe German. I think he's Austrian. And he would come in in this three-piece suit and talk to a room full of hourly workers who are about to become, uh, you know, uh, uh, bellboys and maids and whatever outdated terms we're not allowed to use anymore. And he would come in and work with these folks wearing his three-piece suit. And the beginning of the presentation at the beginning of, of the orientation was, I need you folks to understand that you are ladies and gentlemen about to go serve ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. The idea being that you know, yeah, of course, we're going to serve these people, but we're going to do it from a position of confidence in our own worth that we're bringing something to them that is uh, of value. And I, uh, I, I'm sure uh, you've probably heard stories too, Mike, but I, my favorite uh, Ritz-Carlton story, uh, I had a car dealer I used to work with and his uh, partner and the partner's wife uh, were all going to meet up at a Ritz-Carlton and, and uh, have a, a, a night on the town. And he got to his room and they were already there. The couple were already there. And so he uh, was uh, having a, a staff member take his bags up to his room and he was on the phone trying to figure out where they were at. And um, this employee of Ritz Carlton overheard it. And he said, do you, do you need directions? To, can I help you get to, and it was, a, it was a store, a clothing store. He said, oh, I'm sure I can figure it out. And he goes, no, 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 I, I can help. He walked down a flight of stairs off property across the street and up a block to take this customer to the entrance of another business. 
And that is something that this customer is still talking about. You know, the, the, the car dealer years later was telling me this story, right? Now, you know, you, you don't do that if you think I'm just going to keep out of sight, out of mind, and I'm, I'm just going to do my job and get out of this guy's way. No, I can help this guy. In fact, I'm going to help this guy because I'm, I'm worth something. I can, I can provide value for this person. I think that's a little picture. That's, that's a little window of the kinds of blessings your organization goes through when you start honoring people's dignity and treating them like they're worth something. They start treating other people like they're worth something. Mm-hmm. So that's a picture. Oh, no, no. And the stories of the Ritz-Carlton treating their employees like they treat their guests. Yeah, uh, you know, as an employee of the Ritz Carlton, if I leave my shoes outside my locker when I come back the next morning to go to work, they've been polished and shine, just like <laughs> just like a a customer, you know, a client leaves their shoes outside the room, they'll be polished and shine, right? Their uniforms are pressed and clean. They they eat the same food that the guests eat, mm. uh, and so you've got this incredible role modeling of we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to treat everyone like ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And so whether you're the, 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 the housekeeper or you're, the, you're the, the president or GM of that particular hotel, it, it's all the same. Well, we, we hope that's a beautiful picture to end on. And we're, uh, we're going to come back to sort of the violations of dignity in the next episode. But meanwhile, we just want to leave you with this thought of, you know, which elements of dignity do you honor at work? And, and how do you do that? Really think about, you know, out of those 10 elements. Um, what what are the things you're doing actively in your organization to honor the dignity of your employees and, and perhaps even your customers? Um, that's going to give us a little bit of a, a baseline to work on, and we'll build on that over the next couple episodes. Awesome. Speaking of treating people with dignity, <laughs> let's, uh, let's hear what our announcer has to say about us. I guess we could include him. Uh, yeah, we probably should. And let's give him some recognition because he works for free. That's <laughs> right. And that's a wrap. It doesn't take a genius. The blog dedicated to reducing the irreducible. Next time, prime numbers. What makes them so special? Join us then. And thanks for listening.